My name is Kebohem, and this is Epiphany. Amata meiva Kebohem ni alojava akatahengi. Fifty-four, he called eighteen sixty-five. Kati is playing music in the room. I can hear it through the walls. They keep stopping and going. It's it's a complicated set of arpeggios. We had noodles with nut sauce and bought fruit-filled pastries like they eat in Itaka to celebrate the new apartment and our family relationship. Right in front of the shrine, and we offered the Naxpatru incense that the Naragi Community Center has given me for the month. It smelled so much like home that I nearly started crying. Kati offered Potuame wine to our respective family's gods in a Shiji dialect set to the chiming of bells. I'm trying not to think about what happened today. I can't stop thinking about what happened today. Kati asked me what happened to my face. I started crying when we prepared our celebratory food, but I told them that I couldn't talk about this yet. I feel numb inside. I lied to Kati. I have a story about what happened, which does not match the raw memory of everything in my head. Kati knows that I've lied. Maybe if I write it out, the memories will go away. But should I write it out? This is a scribe sheet. What if someone knows? Truth be told, I hope someone is reading this, because the police need to know. I don't have the strength to tell them anything, because I have no evidence, and Code 18322917 is now used against Naragi and Nagi individuals reporting ethnic violence. Originally, the law meant that no one could bring something to the police without concrete evidence to support them. Originally, the law protected people from turning on their neighbors after we threw up the taritit and realized that our neighbors had collaborated with them. Could the police, if this entry became part of their data feed, read Naragi? I don't know. I've reverted back today because I'm too shaken, and that Deveshi won't come out properly. Deveshi can happen tomorrow when my brain stops shaking in my skull. Oh, son, Luz, what does it mean that you at 19 cannot control your anxieties? Kati and I left at the same time this morning. I remembered to take the box addressed to Advisor Tenas. This morning, I had meetings, and I sorted through parts of the video collage. Akara and I spoke about the programming for an upcoming video conference with regional party constituents for a long time, and I took diligent notes. Before I left, I asked Kalim about the box. My boss unhooked Lur reading glasses from Lur's shirt and raised them to Lur's face. Saradva Residential Zone is just five stops before the River Market District. Akatanes lives there. You can bring this to Lim on your way home. I will write down the address for you. Lee said this so nonchalantly that I was embarrassed that it had taken me so long to bring it up. Talking to an advisor is intimidating. It's a political blessing that most of us will never even hope to achieve. Akakara then added, Akatanes is the reason we have the progressive movement. Express your gratitude. I returned to Akakara's house and worked there for most of the afternoon, only leaving when the sound systems cried out the afternoon prayers. There are a few sects in the city from Shija and Itirja that need these counts for ritual observances. 
but I'm not very familiar with them and feel a bit guilty that I don't have the mental energy to look up these practices in the digital library. I passed by a few young girls making offerings of incense at a street shrine, giggling as they tried an old, worn electric lighter. The Shiji have shrines for these observances in most of the Skyrail terminals, and I wove around a mass of praying people. On the sparsely populated platform, a a man blocked me from boarding, but I was paying so much attention to avoiding devotees of Shiji gods that I didn't see them. I broke my fall with my palms and the skinned flesh stung. I wondered if I'd broken whatever had been meant for advisor tennis in my bag and I scrambled up. The man must have seen the designs on my forehead or identified me by the guiana that had spilled to my shoulders. They grabbed me by the scarf and pulled me close to limb. Fear burned through my skin and hit my belly like fire. I started shaking and I couldn't breathe. Lee clawed at my forehead with her long nailed hands. Lee said, Go back to that fucking canyon dark where you belong, you traitorous insurgent rioter. Dark glasses burn souls. No wonder the monarchy abandoned you. I opened and closed my mouth and tried to apologize, and the words would not come. Fucking Noragi nationalist probably can't even understand Tveshi. Lee tore the Giana from my shoulders. Then, as the doors of the train behind us started to close, Lee shoved me inside. I stumbled against the gap, hit my head against the floor, and the doors closed between us. I lay stunned, and I stared up at the ceiling. I was so queasy that I could have thrown up. The train at least was empty. It was too early for rush hour. With prayers, the trains for the next 15 to 20 minutes would be mostly empty. I couldn't think. I curled up beside the corner door's partition from the rest of the car and clutched my bag to my chest, tears stinging in the corners of my eyes. My forehead felt hot and wet. No one has ever attacked me like that before. Even when I visited Koromo after the riots five years ago, I was still a girl. My father and our matriarch told me what they would call me here. Father must contend with a constant barrage of criticism for being yipahi. Albeit raised in Menaka, and Lee knows. Nothing makes the Shiji any better than the rest of us. Nothing about them says that they deserve the seat of the monarchy. If anything, they did steal power from my people and they took it with impunity. They set the policy of hate. Hesa would still belong to Dveshe if the monarchy had not moved. We would never have had the civil war and no one would call the people in Naragia traitors for believing that the crown moved unjustly. Perhaps even the occupation would never have happened. Perhaps the Tesejera organizations would not have so much power over us. No organization, no matter what its intentions are, should have as much sway as the Karatha currently enjoy. Maybe I should stop dwelling on my hatred and write my memories of what happened on the train before they fade. So the train stopped. A group of people came in and sat in the main area. They did not see me, and they spoke softly. I could hardly hear anything above the hum of the engines, and their conversation came to me in snippets and in bursts. This is what they said. 
Two shots to this chest, nothing more. Guards will, guards will have caught them before we finish otherwise. Ugh, the chatter in my assignment isn't new. Someone's retiring. All the big names are getting old. You won't get the security clearance required to do poison. They know about your sister. Gather any intelligence on their replacement that you can, enough that, that we can perhaps use blackmail to get what we want. And recruit from the demi-traders. They experience discrimination, might want to hurt people. They won't care who we are. Security is always more lax during religious festivals. I know a girl might do. No, 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 there will be three bullets. Two for Lim, one for me. Never doubt my loyalty. I gritted my teeth shut. They were right behind me. They were talking about murder, and I was afraid that if they noticed me, they would kill me. The next stop was mine. As the train slowed, I crawled on my hands and knees out of the door and onto the platform. I hid my face as the train pulled away. No one shouted from inside, and no one ran to catch the eavesdropper. I I could see the backs of their heads as the train pulled away. That was stupid and clumsy of them. The police will certainly find out. They must. Both of those were terms for the unwanted and the unseen. The first was a slur, the second a legal marker. The the woman in the group had been Shiji, and and something about their voice sounded familiar. Saradva residential zone smelled like flower blossoms and my grandmother's bath oils. Tourists who want photographs of typical residential districts in the Galasuhi style go there because it is so beautiful. Spring trees rain blossoms onto the sidewalks, but my mother once showed me a photograph of the district during the Festival of Eternal Light in the winter. They rope chains of flower-shaped lights all around the trees. They look ethereal and spectacular under the ice. Nothing like how we ornament the city for the festival in Narayya. I wish I'd been in a mental state to enjoy it. So today the ivies were blooming. And, and the petals stuck to my skin and uncovered hair. No one in the residential zone even glanced at me. Without the Yena, I do not look exerting ya. I stopped in front of a storefront and straightened my hepdari vest in the mirror. My hair looked fine. I wondered if the man had touched it. It would be embarrassing to the priests to explain why I need another purification ritual. So soon after the first one. Advisor Tenasadi lives in a house from a storybook. A bloodvine pergola hides the sunlight in front of the building, and today it was pregnant with tiny tart berries. Small animals moved through the pergola and sucked them up in their mouths, and two birds nestled in the vines. Their white bodies were splattered with red. An ice snake darted out in front of me in pursuit of something I could not see, and I stepped out of its way. I knocked with the base of my palm and waited. The man who opened the door looked a bit older than me, and they looked also vaguely like the photographs I have seen of Advisor Tennis in the archives. Perhaps a relative, or so I thought. Advisor Tennis looked part atarahi, or part yipahi, or God knows what else, but this person in front of me did not look only yipahi. There was something unsettling about Lim in the eyes. It was like waking up in the middle of the night and trying to remember details from a dream already fading from memory. Perhaps Advisor Tennis had a child with someone from Mavs? 
Lee didn't bind Lur hair, so it fell loosely to Lur shoulders. Lee ran Lur hand through it and cleared their throat. I realized that I had been standing there without moving, so I quickly greeted Lim in the traditional way and apologized. Lee stared at me with the same nostalgic confusion as Akara. You have blood on your face, Aka. I, I hope that the thorns didn't cut you. What do you want? Um, are you from one of the embassies? Um, Eek, Wu, Arag, Arag, Charlesotson, Ko, Kowabo, Choto, Eh, Ah, Eek, Rag. Chalzotson Kowabo Choto Eh? Yes? I reached into my bag and pulled out the box. Looking down to help me compose myself after hearing them try to speak classical Atarahi. Whenever this happens, I try not to say anything because I don't want people to think I'm foreign. And I do know classical Atarahi. At least a bit of it, because most of the politicians in my family work in interplanetary diplomacy. I think sometimes because we are part Atarahi, just like how Akara wants to groom me for immigration advocacy. The use of Atarahi flusters me every time, especially in polite settings. There's a balance between feigning ignorance and being rude that I sometimes miss. I answered in Tveshi and stumbled over my words. It was what happened on the Skyrail. It's just happened now. I made myself look like an idiot. Sent Akara, assistant new. I'm I'm, I'm your new assistant, and I found something addressed to advisor Tennis. Do you know where I should leave it? The man raised an eyebrow and took the box from me. I wanted to say something. What if the advisor had not wanted anyone to look into Lure affairs? But I was still trying to keep calm after my experience in the Skyrail. Three bullets, I kept thinking. Who was Lim? Besides, I felt naked in front of this man, and the steady drift of their gaze towards my chest unsettled me. The man invited me in, and I just stood inside the door. Lee asked, does Akara's assistant have a name? While Lee carelessly ripped open the wrappings. The last time Thani gave me a present, it exploded in my face. I told Lim that my formal name is Nitangi, and Lee frowned. I told Lim that my family has Deveshi-style names. Outside of the Menashi, almost no one does it. I asked if Lee was related to Advisor Sadi. This man was Advisor Tenasadi, and I should refer to Lim as Tenas. Not as Sadi, if I want to drop half of the name. I thought that Lee would be older, but then again, I've never seen recent photos of Lim and the news I consume about the monarchy is in text. It was a little bit embarrassing. The box contained a dagger. Advisor Tennis set it on the table beside the door, mumbled something about Tezajera, and asked me to take a seat while Lee searched for a damp towel for my forehead. I stood and stared at Thani's gift. A soft hum emanated from it, and the golden hilt design coursed like liquid. I felt even more strongly that I had walked into a fairy story.
Advisor Tanasati, a young man who did not or could not age, lived in an idyllic neighborhood in a beautiful home, and Lee now had a weapon that should not exist. Lee asked me what happened, and I told him about the hotocha on the platform. I said nothing about the conspiracy I overheard. Advisor Tanas cleaned my forehead and applied a stinging liquid to it. Lee gave me fabric to wear over my hair for the journey home. Lee didn't need to do any of these things. Lee is an advisor and probably had a lot on their mind. To know something terrible will happen to some, some limb and to keep silent about it makes my head feel like it will break apart. The police should know, but I have neither names nor faces. I need to call Sukha. Lee might know what to do. You have been listening to Epiphany by KBOM. For a text version, cultural notes, and to subscribe via RSS, please visit http colon slash slash kayeboesme.com slash epiphany.